Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, March 30th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Russia and Ukraine are working towards a peace agreement. We'll hear what skeptics are saying. Barclays is paying a hefty price for a clerical error. Plus, Vladimir Putin's war in Ukraine is rippling through the global economy. The FT's Martin Wolf suggests how governments might respond. They should target their fiscal support on the poorest. These are the people who are going to be worst hit by these massive rises in prices of energy and food. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Moscow said it will dramatically scale back its military activities around Kyiv, Ukraine's capital. Yesterday's announcement by a top Russian military official came after the latest round of peace talks in Istanbul. The FT's Ben Hall says Western countries are taking the announcement with a grain of salt. So I think what the Russians claimed they were trying to do was to build trust around those talks and that this signal was intended to build confidence and and build momentum behind these talks, I suppose. At the end of the day, there is a huge amount of skepticism about Russia's game here with these talks. Are they really committed to finding a peaceful way out or the end to the fighting? Or are they just playing for time to allow them to regroup and to reorient their their military um, and potentially to focus their fight on the east? Um, So I think it's very unclear exactly what the Russians have in mind. So, Ben, just backing up a bit, what do we know about the peace talks between Russia and Ukraine? They've essentially agreed the broad kind of contours of a peace agreement, but much of the detail still needs to be worked out. Uh, Ukraine now seems to be prepared to accept neutrality, which would mean giving up on on NATO membership. But in return for international uh, defense guarantees, security guarantees, which would be uh, guaranteed defense from leading powers, plus a bunch of other countries like Turkey, Poland and and Israel. The two sides also seem to have agreed that uh, Ukraine should be allowed to join the EU. And then certain things that are not in the the peace agreement are also quite significant. There's no talk of denazification, which is one of Russia's big war aims, or or even demilitarization of Ukraine, another big war aim. I think perhaps the biggest reason for skepticism about these talks, as well as the true Russian motivations, is this question of security guarantees, because it seems hard to imagine leading world powers offering that kind of guarantee to Ukraine if they weren't prepared to give it in the context of NATO membership. And Ukraine doesn't seem to have negotiated that kind of guarantee directly with those powers. So that is a potential big vulnerability in these talks. Ben Hall is the FT's Europe editor. Vladimir Putin's war in Ukraine is having a profound impact on the global economy. The FT's chief economics commentator, Martin Wolf, has been writing about this, and he joins me now to talk more about it. Hey, Martin. Hi. Can you describe what's happening, you know, the big picture? It's quite a complicated story. And I think before we even think about it, we have to remember where we were before it started. In particular, we had, of course, been hit very badly by COVID-19. The world economy had a very deep recession in 2020. And then a very strong but very uneven recovery, and even across countries. So then along comes this new shock, and lo and behold, it 
really disturbs commodity markets, particularly energy and food. So this is a has raised the price level further. So it's for net food and net energy importers, both rich countries and a lot of poor ones. It's a very bad hit. People will just be poorer. That is going to make things even worse. So we can expect surge in inflation and pretty significant reductions in output. Uh, not as significant as in 2020, but quite possibly longer lasting. This is a pretty big economic shock. What are some of the things that governments and central banks can do to address this, Martin? Well, central banks, unfortunately, I think are going to make it worse. That's the problem. They're caught in essentially what we used to think of back in the 70s, a stagflation. There is a negative shock to the world economy, which reduces output. That's the stagnation. And at the same time, inflation has reached levels we haven't seen since the 70s. In that situation, the central banks are really going to be forced to tighten. Interest rates are going to rise. That's going to almost certainly have a sizable negative effect on equity markets and other asset markets, housing. Now, fortunately, in the developed world, fiscal authorities can still spend, but they're not going to want to do, it's clear, what they did in response to COVID-19. I think they feel a bit that they've sort of um, used up a lot of their ammunition. My recommendation has been that they should target their fiscal support on the poorest. These are the people who are going to be worst hit by these massive rises in prices of energy and food. But I think the truth at the end of this is a lot of people are going to have losses uh, in, in real incomes, which governments will not be able to offset. But the fiscal authorities look to me to have more room for maneuver than the monetary authorities. Martin Wolf is the FT's chief economics commentator. Thanks, Martin. Pleasure. Yesterday, Barclays Bank said it's going to have to pay out at least 450 million pounds, that's nearly $600 million, for a catastrophic clerical error. The bank explained that back in 2019, it had exceeded the limit on the number of structured financial products it was allowed to sell in the U.S. The FT's Alphaville editor, Robin Wigglesworth, said he first got wind of this a few weeks ago when Barclays suddenly stopped creating new shares in its popular exchange-traded notes, or ETNs. And suddenly, out of the blue, without explaining why, Barclays basically said that we can't create new shares in this. And they still trade like an, an ETF, like a traditional ETF on the stock exchange. So trading went kind of haywire in those. And we haven't quite figured out what happened there. And Barclays kind of stayed stum. And it seems that was, you know, when they first realized they, well, frankly, screwed up quite badly. Turns out Barclays had breached the limit for how many of these products it could issue by 15 billion. It has to buy back all the securities sold above this threshold at their original price, which it estimates is going to cost it about 450 million pounds. There's an internal probe, and U.S. regulators are looking into it too. I imagine there will be recriminations flying. I mean, the SEC is also uh, there and finding out what on earth happened. How could this go wrong? I mean, in the, sort of the annals of Wall Street's 
screw-ups, this isn't actually that bad. Yeah, you end your piece by calling this a DB-level snafu. I have to assume that's a, a poke at Deutsche Bank. Yes, uh, you know, there are many fine people that work at Deutsche Bank, but I think recently Deutsche Bank and, and probably Credit Suisse have had a run at the DB crown for epic <laughs> screw-ups. I don't think Barclays is nearly in DB or CS level league tables when it comes to this, but you know. <laughs> and those two are just looking at it saying, glad it wasn't us this time. Yes, I think so. <laughs> Robin Wigglesworth is the editor of Alphaville. Thanks so much, Robin. Thanks for having me, Mark. Great to be on. Before we go, I want to remind you of our special offer. News briefing listeners can buy a digital subscription to FT.com for half the usual price. That's all the outstanding journalism that's normally behind the paywall for half off. Just go to FT.com slash briefing sale. Again, go to FT.com slash briefing sale. We'll also have a link in the show notes. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.